Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of Beer Sports, the West Virginia site on the 247sports.com network. Here in a moment, I will be joined by Mr. Mike Asaza. He is swamped at the moment. As president of the Neil Brown Fan Club, he is furiously processing new applications for the club, going through requests for readmission, and rightfully so. He uh, kind of changed things up, took charge of the team, uh, and this was, he put it after the game, a defining moment. I called it a defining game before the game. So we were on the same wavelength of the importance of this game, and, and he didn't care. He kind of uh, made his own changes, threw down the gauntlet to his team, and West Virginia answered in a big way with a 44-27 win over NC State to finish non-conference play at 2-1. and one. Let's jump right into it, Mike. The very first thing, aside from that large stack of Neil Brown fan club requests, What's the first thing that's standing out to you from this game? It is that large stack of requests because <laughs> it's a 180. And I'll tell you, the the one person that we met today who uh, we have to get into the club right away is uh, it's actually Neil Brown. Oh, oh, really? K-N-E-E-L. Oh, oh, oh no. Brown. Uh, these writers and their puns. He was that- feeling it. He was feeling it at the end of the game. I just want to point out that, like, that is that's that is a flex. That is, I'm winning a game, and I'm going to let everybody know that I still have my hands at 10-2, and two, and I got this ship going in the right direction, and I am not going to lose a game by having an extra point blocked <laughs> and returned for two points to turn my 17-point lead into a 15-point lead and threaten everything hard that I've worked for. I couldn't believe it. It was it was, it was was intense on press row, whether or not it was yeah, cute yeah, wait, necessary. Was, who, was, who was on what side? Who's, who's I'll, I'll give you one side? guess who thought it was wonderful, and I'll give you one guess who thought it was needless. <laughs> uh, I just I, I was watching it, and I was like, I can't believe he did that. Like, it never occurred to me, and then he did it, and I knew right away why. And then, like, let, let's just say certain contingents in the press box that had no idea what was going on, and it had, to be, it had to be explained, and they still didn't get why, because do you really have to do it? And, like, the answer is no. You don't have to do it. If it's a two-point game, sure. If it's a five-point game and they can make it a three-point game. A nine-point game, they can make it a seven. Yeah, that's a necessity. When you're up 17 with three minutes left, I really think that was that was him walking around shirtless on the beach and just saying, look at me. I got this. I got this. I got my abs. I got the guns. I got this under control. Everybody follow me, and we're going to be okay. And, and man, do it. You earned it. Fine. Go for it. I like it. I'm not gonna. It took me a second, but I'm like you. I was like, "What did it just? What just happened there? Did that play even count?" And then I looked at the score, and it all started to make sense. I started doing the math. I was wondering if it, is Neil Brown got a little, you know, Rain Man in him. I mean, that's impressive to kind of have that just right off the top of his head. Yep. Nope. Neil that. Neil that extra point. Um, I love it. But some other decisions he made on the day actually happened before the game. Uh, obviously, several depth chart changes, some for, uh, as he said, after the game, publicly, injury, illness, suspension. Uh, we got all, all three uh, on the board here. And where do we want to start? Do we want to start up front on the offensive line, or do you want to look in the backfield or wide receiver or defensive line? I mean, he, there were changes everywhere today. Yeah, let me run down this because I have a list of things that happened that are worthwhile. And honestly, I, I think we probably – owe it to people that played the game and watched it to go into the things that actually did matter more, but I don't think you can watch or cover or read about this game or listen to it and 
and not note that, again, 40% of their offensive line wasn't playing. Uh, Mike Brown, sick. Josh Sills, shoulder. Uh, didn't play. Tevin Bush, who, again, had the longest run of the season before today, the second longest reception, suspended. I'm told that's one game, um, which means that there's not like a, a prescribed punishment for that, um, I think. I don't know, but I'm told that he'll be back. So who knows? But um, what's funny is that those are three people that you thought were inextricable before, and they won without him today. And we can get into some of the replacements, but like, I think there's reasons to believe that at the very least they're deeper. And when those guys come back, do they add depth or are they starting again? I don't know. Uh, defensively, I think what people maybe had clamored for, Dante still starting over Reese Donahue. Um, and Dante still has played terrific today, probably the best I've seen him play. And he's been going this way for a while. The arrow's been pointing up. And, and Donahue was fine. Donahue was in his solid self, but I think they're looking for more than solid at that position. Um, and then uh, a 17-year-old nose guard. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Jordan Jefferson started at nose, even though he thought Darius Sills is maybe the most valuable defensive player from the first two weeks. Uh, I thought Jefferson was fine. I mean, beyond fine, really handled himself in there. You can tell that his his muscles make up for what he doesn't know how to do right now. And then Kerry Martin played a ton at free safety because Josh Norway got kicked out of the game for targeting. Um, they nearly lost Keith Washington, and I don't know what they would have done there, except probably ride with Nick Troy Fortune and um, maybe Tavian Mayo. I'm not sure, but it would have been difficult. But they made it work um, with just one safety missing and not the other corner because the Keith Washington targeting got wiped out. And then just different layers, uh, a lot of Ollie Jennings, uh, enough Winston Wright. And I think that it did good things for those two in the passing game. But also, I think it got to Bryce Wheaton a little bit. Um, Ollie Jennings had a really nice block on a touchdown run. Uh, when McCoy beat a corner to the end zone and that cornerback had been pushed to the back by Ali Jennings and that gave McCoy the space. And then lo and behold, a little bit later, uh, Wheaton wiped out a guy in the same spot for a touchdown for McCoy. So things like that were interesting to me. Um, necessary changes in some spots because of performance or because of player statuses, but I think um, productive changes across the board. Oh man, I'm trying to think where do I want to start. Uh, let's go. Let's go with defensive line because it, it just sparked. It, it jumped right into my mind as soon as you said Jordan Jefferson. You mentioned it right before the game that that you were hearing he might start today, which one I, I wasn't. I couldn't fathom just because Darius Stills had played so well, at least uh, on the surface, through a couple weeks of the season, but then Jefferson, only 17 years old, and I remember I think. I it was on my tape recorder. I audibly scoffed at defensive line coach Jordan Leslie back in February, just days after he had signed Jefferson late. And when he told me that he truly believed that Jordan Jefferson at 17 years old and only playing the game for a couple of years and it just had a big growth spurt over the last couple of years was going to play on the defensive line in the Big 12 as a true freshman 17 year old. I scoffed at him in his face, and I'm here to take it back. If, if you're listening with Neil Brown in his office l- later this evening, I apologize, Jordan Leslie. Uh, I- I'm with you. I-, I thought he played well. He's got that length. He's got size. It- he does not look like a 17-year-old. Looks like he's already been in a college weight room. Um, I'm, I think it was a great rotation. As you noted, Reese Donahue played well when he was in there. So with defensive line, I think the changes aren't – that big of a deal because they're going to split the snaps no matter what to keep the guys fresh and everybody did did well uh, you know Jeffrey Pooler was in there making a couple plays 
Ruben Jones was in there with a couple big plays. Both Stills brothers are in there. Um, but offensive line, you're not going to get that rotation. And all three of those guys played well to very well, maybe. So what do you do if Sills' shoulder is better or Brown's not sticking? I mean, Neil Brown admitted that Mike Brown could have played today, but chose to keep him out because he had missed so much of the practice this week. So does he play next week? This is amazing. This is amazing. I mean, we were a week ago, two days ago, last night, we were saying that their second team isn't good enough, and that was a problem. The second team was not pushing the starters. And uh, I will guarantee you they, they they closed their eyes, they held their breath, they crossed their fingers today, and, and hoped that it worked out. And I think that this is as good as they could have hoped for realistically. Um, uh, Mays looked fine to me. Um, I, listen, I, like, I know Mays is 6'3", 300. It, it, he's listed that way. He looks slight to me. Um, I, I don't know why. I've seen him on campus. I've seen him walking around. He doesn't look like a big holding lineman. Like Chase Barrett looks like he's that 6'3", 315 guy. He looks like. Um, and that may just be because Mays is a redshirt freshman. And to be honest with you, his his size and my perception didn't matter at all today. He was fine. There were no errant snaps. There was nothing procedural that he did wrong today. Uh, apparently, he was communicating everything that he was supposed to do, that Colton McKivitz finally told the offensive line coach, hey, he's got it, don't worry. Um, so I think that probably sticks now because that was the one thing they could not get right the first two games. Um, Gemitter looked good for me. Um, he got overwhelmed sometimes on twists or when really good defensive linemen made life hard on him. And you can forgive that when he's playing in that spot for that long. He also never came out. Um, that's significant to me. And, you know, the Barrett and John Hughes rotation, I, I want to say they, they flip-flopped every series. And if it wasn't, it was two to one, one to two. Um, but they probably split things pretty evenly. And it worked. That was okay. Um, um, apart from Gemitter getting pushed and the defensive tackle really pressuring Kendall and keeping him from stepping up in the pocket on the interception, Nothing wrong with the way those guys played today, which makes me think, again, this is ridiculous, Chris. Is Josh Sills a starter? Wow. I, I can't even fathom that. I, I don't understand how we're even having this discussion. Right because now. here's why. Like, like this is a there were there was, you know, hue and cry for changes and they changed and it worked. And what do you do now? Like, I mean, again, and like Kelby Wickline played pretty good today. Probably the best that I've seen him play. Um, wasn't paying a lot of attention to him, but. That also means because I wasn't paying a lot of attention to him, he wasn't doing anything that got my attention. So you can't even say, you know what, Sills is a better right tackle. Let's put him over there because what has Wickline done to deserve that? He hasn't. So like now we have this weird situation where like are you, are we are we saying that Mike Brown and Josh Sills are just like utility knives now and they're going to come in? I think they're going to start when they come back, but like that's a hard thing to do right now. I mean, if you walk in Monday and say, hey, 73, 57, you're back with the ones. Man, 74 and 79 and 76 are like, well, why? Like, I played well and we won. And this is assuming they played well. I think they're probably going to have, you know, above average to good grades. I don't think anybody was excellent apart from McKibbitts and maybe Wickline. But, like, they will take above average to good play at, at those spots right now. And those guys delivered. It's, it's a really hard thing right now. And, I, I mean, I would love to be privy to those conversations that are happening right now among the coaches, and then tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, when they sit down and they try to figure out what happened, and more importantly, what do we do next? Well, uh, the thing that stands out to me, all these positions we're talking about with these new guys stepping in and all playing pretty well. First off, uh, redshirt freshman, true freshman, true freshman at wide receiver for Sam James and, and Winston Wright and Ollie Jennings. 
two of the three new linemen, redshirt freshmen, uh, the guys that we're looking at on defense, Jordan Jefferson, true freshman, Tyke Smith, true freshman, Kerry Martin, true freshman. That's insane. Uh, that kind of that kind of stuff just doesn't happen at West Virginia. They're not recruiting these kids that are five stars, ready to plug and play in college. Um, and these guys are, and these guys are doing it so far. But what's best for the program for this year is that that builds up those groups with the depth that we didn't think they had before this game. That just like you were saying with the offensive line, we weren't sure there was a sixth guy to throw out there. And now all of a sudden, number six, seven, and eight, assuming that's what these three guys are that just started today on the interior of the line, suddenly, do you have... Do you think you have seven or eight linemen now? Which is, you know, eight's always been kind of the goal for most offensive line coaches. Do you think you have uh, six, seven, eight wide receivers now, now that you have Jennings and Wright out there? Uh, and, and with Jefferson, are you not as concerned about Austin's loss now? Does he replace that? Uh, this is, I don't think this is a, a problem in the fact that guys are losing their starting jobs. I think it only makes it a little awkward for that offensive line position just because of the chemistry between the starting five but overall it's just kind of reaffirming or not reaffirming but assuring West Virginia and the coaches and the fans that the depth is there that they actually need like this is the bare minimum need to be a good team in the big 12 not where, like where and where was it like I just I have a hard time believing they only played five guys last week on the offensive line that just that surprises me that they couldn't get anybody else out there and then the, today they only played six but that's because two guys weren't there so my math is yeah they probably have eight now that's good um and then i like you know what martin doesn't play a whole lot if norba doesn't get kicked out uh Tyke smith played a bunch today and was pretty disruptive um jefferson earned those snaps too but like i, I just wonder I, I have a hard time getting past the offensive line thing like, i think they just didn't know and they didn't have a choice which makes me think that like um why would you change this now? Like a lot of these guys have proven something, and, and you're right. Like we, we probably have a reason to believe that there are more than five offensive linemen and there are more than you know four receivers. Although I think there might be some guys taking steps back, and that's why people are replacing them. Um, so, again, is it eight or is it still five, but just a different composition of those five? Same thing on the offensive line. I don't know. Um, and the defensive backfield, um, I have a question for you. Go. Yeah. They have good cornerbacks? Maybe. I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, before the season, you know, I, I picked uh, Keith Washington to be my dark horse defensive player of the year for West Virginia, a potential all big 12 guy. And is this spring practice? Hakeem, are we getting spring practice Hakeem Bailey in the fall? Is that what's happening here? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Like he's been, he's been excellent today. He hit people today. He chased plays down today. He covered, uh, they have him for nine tackles in a pass breakup. Uh, his receiver did catch 12 balls. Um, he, I shouldn't say him, but he was on him for a lot, but like not for a lot of yardage. Um, so that's not a big deal. 12 receptions for 103 yards. It's a 100-yard game, but that's not even 10 yards a catch. You'll take that. Um, they didn't really get beat over the top on anything on the outside. It was mostly the, the tight end up the middle and things like that. Surprise, surprise, right? Yeah. But I think that's, a, that's something to feel good about, and um, good corners can kind of make your safeties mm-hmm. feel a little bit better too eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. 
No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's talk about some of the guys that maybe weren't new. Some of the guys who just simply played better, like... Maybe quarterback Austin Kendall, 27 of 40, 272 yards, three touchdowns, one pretty ugly interception that may have been several people's fault, but uh, okay play? Is that is that his ceiling? Is this is this a quarter, is this a game from Austin Kendall that West Virginia if he if West Virginia gets this Austin Kendall for the rest of the year, what how do things go? Uh, not poorly. Okay. I think there's a lot <laughs> Great more. Great answer. <laughs> it's not it's not his team. That's why, you know. I mean, they're going to need yeah. they're going to need a guy to catch a ball and run away from people like Sam James did today. And they're going to need um, you know, someone like Jennings to come up and do something important in a spot or you know, Campbell, I think Campbell had a handful of reps and had, was targeted once and caught a touchdown. So they're going to need like those exemplary things to happen. You know, they're going to need 170 yards rushing. Um, it's not him. Um, I thought that they did a good job calling plays that puffed up his stats. How many of his throws were just like the touch passes or were sideways where things happen? A lot of them. Um, still not great when he pushes the ball up the field, especially to the sideline. That's always off a little bit. But they're really not making him go the whole 53 and a third. They're kind of making him work the middle. I think they want to use the middle with him um, more often than not, And which is kind of hard when you're not getting great production from your slot receivers. But – you see a lot of like outside of receivers who are dragging in or who are squaring in. That seems to be something that Sam James can do. Uh, the posts from Jennings and Campbell on touchdowns today are outside inside plays where they're trying to get him in the middle. Um, that may be something where he's good at. And I don't know if that's because, you know, he can't go hash to sideline, you know, far hash to far sideline. Um, so maybe they're just trying to manage things that he can do really well. I think they're getting an idea of what he can do within the game. And today looked like a really good representation of, all right, um, let's get rid of this in the playbook. Let's add this in the thing space. Or, you know what, let's get rid of three things and let's only add one. Let's focus on what you can do. And I thought they put him in really good spots today. And he took care of um, the coaches who took care of him. Does that make sense? I mean, did you actually see a yeah. guy who had, they had the right plays call from here? He didn't get caught with the ball trying to go deep, which I thought happened too much too early last game. Well, and – the, the play calling, I, I wanted to ask you this. I was thinking about it as the game was going on, especially, say, halfway through the fourth quarter when it was still, I think it was 11-point game. West Virginia just got in the ball, so they still had to kind of move it. They weren't just kind of trying to get rid of the clock. But did they empty the playbook today? 
I felt like there were a lot of, I don't want to say gimmicks. I mean, I know they tried to run that one double pass that they ended up getting, but there was at one point at the, at the time that I'm thinking early in the fourth quarter, semi-close game, you know, I, I think there were 22, 23 passes or, or more than that, obviously 22 completions, but, and that was more than double the number of runs. And most of the runs had been, you know, from Sam James, one from Sean Ryan, a couple from Austin Kendall. And Kennedy McCoy at that time had the most runs with eight. And I think Letty Brown had two and Sinkfield had three. It, it was just kind of a, we're going to give ball, a ball to everyone and someone's going to make a play happen. And we're going to try it in a million different ways. It, is is this the Neil Brown offense? Is this, or, or was this just, we're just going to try everything to get this offense moving? Yeah. Uh, I think I talked about this before. Like I tried to do stuff over the summer and like watch a bunch of Troy stuff and figure out like, Hey, how's this going to look? And people were like, Hey, will you do a film thing so we can have an idea what to look at? And like, I wanted to, I wanted to comply. Um, but I couldn't because like, I don't know what this was going to be. And also Brown's offenses were like different all the time. Like 2015 was not like 2016, which is not like 2017. And even last year it changed dramatically because his quarterback changed. But, um, I think this is probably a better. This is not, this didn't remind me of Troy in the sense that they ran Troy plays. Um, a lot of the motion stuff and a lot of his formations are Troy stuff that he did. But the personnel is always where it is. And what I noticed today was that like there were combined elements in the first game, and the second game that were definitely there, and that you know there are others that are not there now. They didn't do like any five wide stuff today. They didn't do any like formation to the sideline stuff today and that's stuff they did the first two games and unless i'm wrong but i'm watching and i didn't see that they didn't do any funky things with their tight ends flipping the formation um and trying to get like an, uh, an overbalance or anything like that which they did against missouri and it didn't work i don't recall any counters today i don't recall any power plays today and it was pretty much all inside zone outside zone and that makes me think that i had a plan going in i want to say that they did a lot of outside zone early and started stretching that defensive line out and making those linebackers run, which made it easier for guys to block a little bit. And then they started hammering up in the middle with inside plays in the second half. And that's when, you know, you mentioned the numbers from McCoy and Brown at one point, they ended up with 17 rushes. Uh, at one point I had them combined for eight in the fourth quarter, which means they didn't have their damage in the fourth quarter. It's a good way to run out of game. Um, I think it was a good idea how to attack the run, especially when you don't know. If you if you start hammering your guards and your centers who are brand new in the middle and they get discouraged against a fresh defensive line, that's going to be a long game. But if you get them some help and your tackles are your best offensive linemen and you just tell your receivers, please, we need you, you can stretch plays out. And they did that. They got good blocks in their receivers. They got good blocks in their tackles early on. They were able to run outside zone. All of a sudden, the inside guys, they start to swagger a little bit. And then when they're fresh in the second half and that defensive line is kind of beaten up, they can lean on people and push people around and you can really start to tenderize the defense there. And I think what was probably um, most encouraging for them is they did that in the second half and circle this too. their last touchdown. It's third and goal from the three. They're not passing it. They line up big, they swell up and they start, they just crash it right into the middle. Timmons takes somebody out. Uh, uh, I believe it was Barrett knocked somebody backwards. Wickline knocked somebody over. Like it was, it was a collision up front, and they they won on that one play, and that was their, like their last real run of the game. That's a great way to walk off the field for them. Speaking of the running game, uh, some interesting changes there. First, you get Martel Petaway, who was technically on the field for the first play against Missouri as a second in a two backfield set. Uh, 
Did not play today. Did not play. Alex Sinkfield gets the start, but only has four carries. Kennedy McCoy comes in the middle, leads the team in carries, leads the team in yards, scores twice, and then the staff turns to Letty Brown, who's now healthy and in the game for the first time this season. And he is the guy they trust to close out the game, running the ball, protecting the ball on this final couple of drives. What are you taking from that? I'm surprised by Petaway, except that I just don't think he's played very well. And then again, it's it's hard to get four guys in. Um, it's easier to get two or three. And especially, it's easier to do through and have a guy like Sinkfield who you can prescribe in certain situations. And um, I'm surprised he didn't get more luck on the outside runs because I thought that's that's more of his game. He can see it and cut it. But oh well. Um, McCoy was better today. He was really good. He was physical and he turned it up and he got some help outside too. I mentioned that, but like he got some help and it made him better, but he was physical. Um, Brown was kind of shaky early. Like I believe they, they muffed a couple or maybe he wasn't there on a handoff. Like, it happened three times. Maybe I could think of where there appeared to be a miscue and those are his first handful of snaps. But you know, when that game was, that game was over, but it wasn't over. I think they got him in and they got him some live bullets and they tried to get him going because he may figure into their plans. Um, they were looking forward to him coming back. They knew he'd be rusty and he was rusty. You could tell, uh, but he, he finished for them. Like you said, again, the fact that he cracked it in there on that last play and got a really good push from the guys in front of him. Um, that kind of makes you sit up and say, Oh, you know, they are running it and how they're running it is pretty, pretty dramatically different than it was before. And you also just got finished talking with coaches and players after the game. Um, we're going to have plenty of cover, content covering all of that over on earsports.com over the next couple of days. But anything, just immediate takeaways that you had from those conversations? Yeah, I think they like their their foundation on the defensive line now. They're worried about Austin because that changes some things. But you know what? They still went four down a couple of times because they could. Um, Jefferson makes them feel a lot better. Uh, I don't think Brennan Thrift played today. And if he did, he didn't play much. And he was their backup. But Man, uh, you're right about Jefferson. He does not look 17. He's long. I mean, he can make plays. Uh, Thrift did not play, by the way. I'm looking at my, my notes now. Um, and him and, and Darius Stills. If Darius Stills has come out the bench for you, that's a good player. I mean, he did his thing today. Three tackles, two tackles for a loss. I mean, he's disruptive. Um, I think the brothers like playing next to each other. I think they feel really good about that. And um, Shea Campbell looked pretty good at Mike. He did. I, you know, I've, I've discussed it several times that I was I was wondering what would happen with Dylan Tonkery. He was in there. They kind of moved him all around. I obviously listed a mic, started there. And, and I saw several lineups where they kind of moved him up on the line, like another pass rushing linebacker, almost like another bandit with Josh Chandler as like a single linebacker set kind of right in the middle and traditional spot for the Mike linebacker. I don't know what that is. You're a film expert. Uh, maybe you can enlighten me, but it it seemed to me like they were trying to get him moving forward to go towards the play, and not a whole lot happened. And I think on the very next drive, we saw Shea Campbell come in and saw Shea Campbell from. See, I'm gonna here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say most of the second half, and then you're going to tell me later that. Tonkery played ninety five percent of the snaps. So. I would I would say it was close to two to one. Not maybe not two to one. I would say two out of three probably. It felt like went to Campbell, and it may be close to the fifty fifty. But you're right, okay. more in the second half. And um, he, I don't think he's as quick as Tonkery, but when Campbell gets there, you know it. He makes plays. He does not get rerouted. He does not get knocked over as much. Um, uh, he had four tackles today, which is you know not great, but like. I just think they want that guy not getting pushed out of the way. And it happened a couple times early with Tonkery, but 
they were really good against the run in the second half. They took away those outside plays and forced things back inside, and NC State just didn't run the ball very well in the second half. I was I was surprised. They, um, and again, they were they were very good in the first half. This was a 21-21 game at halftime. Um, what, two field goals in the second half on back-to-back drives, one yeah. after interception? And if I remember correctly, I want to say that NC State had 15 first downs in the first half, and they had eight in the second half. Pretty good defense. 21, yeah. 19, uh, 19 first downs in the first half to five in the second half. They had five first downs in the second half. And related to defense and offense and, and uh, mostly special teams here, I want to give credit to uh, some very timely writing for you, Mike, about uh, Josh Groden and working on his punting. Comes through today with four punts inside the 20, three inside the 10, one for 50-plus yards. Uh, and NC State starts, average start position was their own 26, and that includes that one drive where they started on the West Virginia 21 after the Austin Kendall interception. So yeah. I, I take that out, and they are starting inside on average inside their own 20-yard line, which is remarkable. But, you yeah. know, that's obviously going to help. It was exactly what they wanted today. Did you notice this, too, where they uh, – I don't think he rugby kicked – I think he did once, and it wasn't great. Um, yeah. did, did you notice how they were snapping? No. It was almost like on an angle. Um, like there was, there were at least two where he was right of the hash, and the long snapper was like in the middle of the field, and Rex Sunahara is making a diagonal snap on the punt. And I'm thinking that that just it took some of the room, some of the maneuvering out of the way for Groden. And instead of him having to go a little bit to his side and then kick it, hey, why don't we snap it to where we, he wants to get it? Can we do that? And he did. I'll, I'll ask about it. I forgot to after the game. Um, it's probably one of my egghead questions that, like, no one else is going to ask, and they're going to look at me and go, why would you ask that? And then Neil Brown will compliment me and say, good, good catch, Mike. <laughs> but I thought it was really interesting that they snapped it, like, on an angle, um, and, it, and Groden was good. I mean, he again, if you're – if you're making it easy on your punter, that's cool. And if you can do that with your snapper, that means your your snapper are a pretty good part of the plan too. But like, I thought that was an interesting twist that, um, again, hadn't seen before unless I missed it. But um, he he had talked about to me about how difficult it was for him at times to punt because the ball is different. It's pointier, more narrow and elongated. It's not as fat um, and as forgiving as the ball he kicked at LSU, and that's why he thought he was having some trouble. And if they reason that you know what, let's take some of the error out of this for you, and how about you just stand still and we'll snap it to you. And that's the results. Hey, that's a pretty good job coaching, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, wrapping this game up and looking forward just a little bit. Does this, does today's team, this performance that West Virginia put on today, win a game at Lawrence against new Big 12 juggernaut Kansas? How quickly do things change? Like, like, hey, 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 read my best bets and you'll know. Just if I, if I bet on Kansas, it's going the other way. I picked them last week. They fought, They scored seven points against Coastal Carolina. I pick against them this week. And what, they score 48 against at Boston College? I don't want um, to upset any of our readership and our subscribers. Um, I want to upset people who disagree with me here. What if Dana Holgerson hadn't left the cupboard bare? <laughs> like, how good would this team be? How well would they have played today? That's why that was such a dumb take I think after the last game because it completely devalues who and what they have here as far as talent and players and also coaches um, 
th- these guys are not dumb. I mean, they're, they've won either together at Troy, half the staff was together at Troy, or separately at other institutions. They've been part of wins on the field and off the field, uh, competition recruiting. And there are all conference caliber players. There are NFL talent players on this roster, right? When they go to Kansas, they're going to have a better roster than Kansas. Will they have better coaches? I don't know Kansas's coaching staff that well, but I'm going to say West Virginia won't have anything to apologize for. It's not a bad situation here. This is why I always thought it was dumb to say that there was no talent, the cupboard was bare. Um, I get the point. I just don't think it's accurate. And maybe I'm being harsh by saying it's dumb, but like I think today proves that it's a bad take. Um, there are players here you can win with. They went out and got players who threw touchdown passes and scored touchdown passes today. They found players who weren't playing or playing very often and put them in elevated or starting positions, and they were the difference in the game. They found ways to take S-backs, make him switch from the left side of the line to the right side of the line before a punt, confuse the punt protection, and block a punt to get a touchdown, right? Same people who were working with nobodies last week found a way to put people in the right places, get talent polished and motivated and in the right places, and beat a team that they were not supposed to beat. Um, Boy, what if they had talent? What if they had players on this team? It'd be so fun to watch, wouldn't it? I wish I could have just set you up for the whole podcast like that. Had I known that would have triggered you into that, I would have led led off the podcast with that. Absolutely. Spicy. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to cover for us today, unless, Mike, you got something else you want to add about today's game? I would check our website out in a minute here because there is something coming. I talked to players about one key play where they pulled something out of the fire very early and it opened their eyes and they said, you know what, we're able. Um, we can turn a bad situation into a good one. And not only on that play, but in the past seven days, they did the same thing, and it turned out for them um, better than they probably expected, not only on that play, but for the game, too. And if you're, when you're done reading Mike's piece on that, make sure you stick around. I'm going to have some recruit yet reactions posted here shortly. I will make them free for all. Um, we like to do that after wins. Makes everybody happy. And, and let's just say – the reaction, not surprisingly, has been extremely positive. Uh, I think there were concerns about maybe the fan, the crowds not being that great, the result of the game not being great. Obviously, West Virginia won. And anybody that was there or even watched on television could tell you that uh, the atmosphere was fairly lively. And, and the recruits certainly thought so as well. So be sure to check that out, too. And check back all throughout the week. We'll have some more coverage from this game. We'll have some previews of uh, next week's game against Kansas. And that is all for this evening. Have a good rest of the weekend. I am Chris Anderson. I am Neilan Mike Casaza. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Sorry for the puns. <laughs>